know there's no credibility to a blog. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's no credibility to a podcast. In fact, a blog and podcast, they're interesting Latin words, and what they mean simply uh, is a loser with a laptop. Right. <laughs> it's actually the Latin word for my joke just flopped. <laughs> yes, exactly. Everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your three losers, Brian, Nathan, and JC. It's going to be an interesting night. We got the wives on the episode. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. In three. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, Brian, Nathan, and JC. We have our better halves on the episode with us tonight, Kim, Carrie, and Denise. Welcome to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. This is our first episode in the month of December. We are almost to our one-year anniversary, and uh, we want to thank our sponsors from the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast, Free Life Soap. You can check them out today by going to recoveringfundamentalist.org. Org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab, use the promo code RFP, and get 20% off of your purchase. We also want to thank J Radio for being a sponsor. So how was everybody's Thanksgiving? Uh, our Thanksgiving was actually awesome. Uh, we got together with uh, both sides of our family, and we had a ton of food. Thankfully, we had unexpected company come over because Denise, now that she's here, I can say this and she can't deny it. She has an obsession with not wasting food. And so she meant that we were going to eat all of that Thanksgiving food until it was gone. So Thursday, twice we had Thanksgiving food. Friday, twice we had Thanksgiving food. Mm. I was so sick of Thanksgiving food that I couldn't stand it. I've never been more grateful for unexpected, hungry guests because they consumed the Thanksgiving food, and I said, praise the Lord. Hey, Denise, how is it celebrating Thanksgiving with Brian? With Brian or Brian and his family? Oh, with Brian and his family, yeah. <laughs> actually, we had, actually, we had a great Thanksgiving, both, fam- both sides of the family. That's a good answer, Denise. That's a very safe answer. Yes. Oh, very political. I'm safe. <laughs> Flip question. Carrie, how was it spending Thanksgiving with Nathan? Yeah, actually great. We had a good we had a good day. It was so good that we chose to go out of town. Yeah. And we just avoided family altogether. That's smart. <laughs> we didn't even have all of our kids this time, so 
All my family from up in North Georgia came south. My grandmother, who's 82 or 87, 82, 82, she beat COVID. She said, I want to see the ocean one last time. And so it was about 76 degrees here on Black Friday. So we all went down to Tybee Island and played in the beach. And she sat up on her walker up in the gazebo and just watched all of us play in the ocean. So, Hey, did did I just hear you correctly? She's either 82 or 87. Like, how do you miss by that many years? Like, most people would say, is she 82 or 83? (laughs) JC's like, is she 82 or 87? I'm really not sure. When you can start getting free coffee at Hardee's, you just hit that range where you just take a guess. You've been there for a couple years, haven't you? (laughs) Uh, JC. um, Man. (laughs) I love you, Brian. No, JC, I haven't been there. You keep forgetting that I'm barely older than Nathan. So every single time you insult me about my age, you're insulting Nathan in just a couple of years. I mean, you both are my elders, though. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, don't forget that. I won't. (laughs) Hey, guys, I just realized something. Seeing all of us here on the Zoom call together, like if this podcasting gig doesn't work out, we could open a restaurant because I know for a fact that all three of our wives can cook better than anyone I've ever met before. So I think we might be onto something here. Well, I've had Carrie's cooking and I can vouch for that, that it, her pot roast was amazing. That night we sat mm. down at your table. You promised Ooh. us what the dinner was going to be like and you didn't lie. And then I know <laughs> Denise can cook amazingly. I mean, it's just incredible. She learned from her great grandma, her grandma, her mom. She's been making homemade biscuits since she was 11 years old. And they're perfect every single time. Hey, they were so good today. I too. That's what I'm talking about. Kim, I haven't tried your cooking yet, but I, but I have seen JC. Uh-huh. And so I, yeah. I believe that it's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm a walking billboard for how good that woman can cook right there. <laughs> she can cook. She can cook. I do love to cook. I think I've had some of your baked goods. That's what you're famous for. I love to bake. I love to make pies. And cinnamon rolls. I love cinnamon I love rolls. to eat pies and cinnamon rolls. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Well, something that I'm looking forward to that's coming up in the month of January, all of us right here are going to Vegas. It's going to be an incredible time as we go to the Idea Summit in Las Vegas on January 25th and 26th. We'll be having our first official RFP meetup. We're going to be doing two live recordings. One's going to be an episode. The other is going to be a Q&A. It is January 25th and 26th, the Idea Summit in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can go to recoveringfundamentalist.org, click on the Idea Summit tab, sign up today, use the promo code RFP Meetup to get a percentage off of your ticket. Come and hang out with all of us, the wives and Brian, Nathan, and myself in Las Vegas in January. I'm looking forward to that trip, guys. I think it's going to be incredible to have the opportunity for the three of us to be together uh, to try to. Re- Record a podcast live. That's going to be an adventure. The people who are in our listening audience have no idea what an adventure that's going to be. <laughs> then the fact that we're going to have our wives there and we're going to be doing a Q&A. We're going to get to meet up with the RFP fam. The whole thing just sounds fantastic to me. You know what I'm more excited about than anything? No kids. No kids. <laughs> Woo! Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Says the people with six kids. 
who were praying don't walk in the room tonight we put them to bed early gave them a little jack uh nyquil said everybody go to sleep (laughs) just kidding we didn't do that we did not do that somebody's gonna tweet at us this week that they heard that speaking of twitter it's been a fun week on twitter hadn't it guys it's been interesting to say the least yeah you know it's amazing isn't it that we have no credibility we have no intellect we have no vision we have no mission but yet for some reason they're completely obsessed with the impact that we're having hashtag losers (laughs) with laptops (laughs) and blogs it got a little personal this week and i'll be honest with you there was there was some moments where i had to write some stuff out and then delete it because it got (laughs) personal i mean if you think somebody's kids are in underwear and then you save that picture to your phone and then retweet it that's sexualizing my children. So that one kind of ticked me off a little bit. But the one that really got under my skin was when he called my wife fat for wearing skinny jeans. And <laughs> mm. fighting words. But the thing that meant the most to me was seeing the three of us come to the defense of our wives. And I love reading what each of you guys said about your wives uh, because it was obvious in those words that you were authentic and that you truly treasure your wives, that you value them. And I know Denise is, well, she's the best part of me. She's the crown of our home and of our family. And, you know, it gets really personal when someone attacks your wife. It's just, um, it's unacceptable. I thought one of the coolest parts was where the RFP fam came to our wives' defense because they were fired up. And a lot of them can say things we can't say. Yeah. We have to keep it real. But uh, a lot of our RFP fam, man, they came after said people and defended our families. And and we really appreciate that. That meant a lot. Well, you know, this week to hear um, that message clip that we have no influence. I just want to say that that's not true because God is at work through the recovering fundamentalist podcast. We're not just three losers with laptops. Uh, This week uh, I actually received a call guys. You haven't even heard this story and it's awesome to be able to share this when our wives are here, because I know they probably wonder about all this time that we invest in the podcast and, and, you know, it does demand a lot, but uh, I got a call a couple of nights ago from a pastor, his, I believe it was his nephew who had a really difficult church experience. And that church experience convinced this young man that he was an atheist. And so he's been living as an atheist now for some time. But uh, this family convinced him to start listening to the RFP podcast. And the young man let his family know that he's no longer an atheist. Wow. That, that, you know, he's believing in Jesus Christ. He's trusting in Jesus Christ. He actually convinced his family to start listening to the podcast. And this pastor who had been through a difficult situation, God's using the RFP to minister to him, to the rest of the family. And so now the entire family is celebrating because of what God has done through this podcast. And that's not just us. It's the people who are being interviewed. It's, it's Mike Peters. It's Clay Maynard. It's, it's these different individuals who are sharing their stories and dropping amazing uh, theological doctrinal bombs at the same time completely set free by the grace of God from the legalism 
of of religion and and from the legalism of the IFB. So guys, just so you know, this past week the message that an atheist is now a believer because God is using the RFP. That's incredible. We don't have an exact count, but I know personally of somewhere between eight and 10 people that have let us know they've come to faith in Christ just through the podcast. That that makes it worth it all. And that means that we don't have to worry about who calls us losers with laptops because impressing people was never our objective. That's never been our agenda. And what I found interesting about that is when I heard Hamlin do that this week on that tweet, you know, I got to thinking years ago, that would have hurt all of our feelings a lot. Like when we were living for that acceptance in such a mighty way, like the fact that there were people that didn't like us, that were saying things about us, man, that would have just crushed us. But the freedom that's found in living the abundant life that he talks about in John 10, 10, man, we don't worry about that acceptance because we know that, you know, God is using us to help free folks. And it's a ministry. And and I love what you said, Brian. I mean, with Mike Peters and Clay Maynard, man, just some solid theological gold in Clay Maynard. I think back to guys like Ed Young. And when we look back at the very beginning, I mean, we had Josh Cardwell on, who's a church planner, who was dropping some incredible dimes. When we had Dr. Dave on, man, he said some amazing things. That was a great podcast. Yeah. Lois McNair, I mean, she helped a lot of people out with her yeah. two interviews we had there. Heck, even some folks found some joy and freedom from Phil Kidd, if you can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one of my favorites was at Fake Sermon, when he was at Fake Sermon. I mean, Fake Sermon has been on two times, and to think that he's not a basement-dwelling, gutter-snipe mama's boy wearing his <laughs> Snoopy-Doo pajamas, this is a strong, theologically deep individual who really does love Jesus. And that's the thing with the whole month of October that I believe we brought to light is these anon accounts. There's some really intelligent Jesus loving folks behind these accounts that are, I believe the RFP family, Nate, you mentioned it a minute ago. The RFP family is very strong and it's more than just this podcast. You know, what I'm excited about in 2021 is that the wide variety of episodes that we're going to be having uh, with coming at it at every angle. I mean, with all these different podcasts coming on with the RFP family of podcasts, it's going to do what this last year has already rolled out with all these incredible interviews and some that weren't so incredible, but we had them (laughs) thinking ahead. I mean, we're going to hit every aspect of legalism, of finding freedom in Jesus, walking a new life, giving folks continued hope and stuff that they can hold on to, to continue to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Well, you know, one of my favorite um, thoughts in the scripture is that perfect love cast out fear. And I think everyone needs to understand that we're not afraid of what they're going to say about us. We're not afraid of the false accusations. We're not afraid of the challenges because we are perfectly loved by God. And when you realize that you are perfectly loved by the God of the universe, you don't have to live in fear. And we also know that these guys secretly love us. So we really don't care. Uh, you know, they send us messages and let us know that they, they don't mean anything personal. So we, we appreciate that. And we know they're listening to every episode. They say they live rent-free in our brains. We know that's really the other way around. They listen to every episode just to see if they're mentioned on the podcast. It's at least a two-way street, that's for sure. 100%. Well, speaking of perfect love, tonight we have the girls with us that we perfectly love. I mean, I feel like I feel like we need to Come sing you know, a little bit of 
unforgettable that's what you are like we need to sing to them or romance them or have roses i was thinking pour some sugar on me Sorry, <laughs> right, let's back up and edit that out jc <laughs> yeah. i was All backing right, so up what you said you were singing a song right. and i just sang my love song Brian's <laughs> <laughs> oh, trying to rein it in <laughs> I feel like tonight we could heap all kinds of praise on them, but I don't believe the people have tuned into this episode to hear us. I think they've tuned in to hear them. So Nathan and Carrie, uh, why don't you guys start out sharing tonight how you met, what brought the two of you together, and Carrie, what captivated your heart with this man, Nathan Cravat? This is going to be really short. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Well, first of all, this is a little known fact. Um, Carrie and I met on a blind date. That's actually how I convinced her to go out with me. She had never seen me. And he was my date. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. That's the truth. Anyone who's ever seen us knows that. And we have been married for almost 25 years. We've been together for over 25 years. It didn't take me long to seal the deal. Carrie and I dated for four months. I asked her to marry me at 11 months. We got married. So you boys, not a dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we definitely all married up for sure. But so how many kids do you have now, Carrie? I know Denise and I love the girls and I know JC and Kim love your girls and your son that we've been told exists. So why don't you tell everybody about the kids? Well, at last count, there were four of them. They're all precious. They're just precious. This parenting no. thing is easy, isn't oh, it? Oh, so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We so got easy. this. No, our oldest is 24 and our youngest is 11. So we've been at this a while. You know, it's it's fun. I think JC and Kim are in the fun days. We're this parenting some adults are at we our in the house. Fun days? I don't know if this is considered fun days. I hate to break it to you, but these are the fun days. It's like those folks will tell us, they're like, hey, enjoy this. You're going to want this back. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to want this back again. I I just want to sleep. Well, Carrie, I know you grew up in the home of a dad who really loved Jesus. And and I love your dad so much. He's such a good man. And it's obvious that he walks with God and he just has such he just has such a beautiful spirit about him. As a matter of fact, uh, the last time we left uh, staying with you guys, we we left talking about how blessed your kids are to have your dad for a grandpa. And it's obvious yeah. to see the love they have for him and the love that he has for them. But how did that prepare mm-hmm. you for being married to a guy who was called into ministry? <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that. I think um, in a lot of ways, um, Nathan and my dad, are they have a lot of similarities when it comes to um, just some real fundamental things like how they love kids and um, would fill up whole houses full of them if it were up to them. And just that they love Jesus and are, you know, servant hearted. There's a lot of similarities between the two guys. But um, my dad tells really, uh, really bad jokes, and Nathan's not far behind <laughs> on that. So they're, both, they're both pretty bad. Is at your that. dad Brian? <laughs> so he's got a lot in common with Brian, too. <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> As a matter of fact. That was wrong. <laughs> but um, 
As far as prepare, nothing, I don't think anything can prepare you for the ministry. I'm not really. Because <laughs> you really grew up sure. Nazarene, right? In the Nazarene mm-hmm. church. So how is yeah, the difference between coming over from the Nazarene church into like the independent fundamental Baptist world? How long did that take mm-hmm. you to get used to that? I don't know that I ever got used to that. I think I immediately balked against that. That was an immediate <laughs> pushback yeah. because um, the church that he was going to when we were dating was, um, there were some interesting things that were said from the pulpit that I'd never heard before in my life. So and that caused us to start having some pretty deep conversations early on. But um, by the time we had kids, we knew that we weren't going to, we weren't going that route. You know, we weren't staying under that. And um, we were, we weren't necessarily convinced of um, that my upbringing was the best way either with, with, you know, it was very Nazarenes or Arminians. And there's a lot of doubt sown into your faith in through that church. There's good people and they love the Lord and, and they loved us too, but um, they're just a lot of doubt and never a lot of security. So it's hard to grow in your faith past a certain uh, level if all you do is just wonder, you know, am I saved? Am I still saved? Is this, you know, am I okay? And you're just wrapped up in yourself. So um, that was one extreme of it. And then I think Nathan was on the other extreme where people thought that if you, you know, went to the altar or you went to VBS when you were four and said a magic verse because the pastor wanted to say so many people got saved at the end of VBS, then Uh-oh. your grandma could tell you for the rest of your life, no, you walked down when you were four and you're good. He's golden. Whether he lived like the devil and you know never was a sign of fruit in his life. So it was complete opposite spectrums <laughs> that we came from. So we had to work our way through scripture to find the balance and what we feel like is the right, you know, the right path and the way to raise our kids. So it was, it was definitely somewhere in the middle of all that. So, yeah, we had some interesting conversations in the early days. And I mean, even today, one of the things I love about my wife, and I've said it recently, is that she takes her faith very seriously. She is a theologian. She studies and she reads probably more than I do. And we've had some very deep conversations and she owns her faith. Uh, she doesn't have to go through her husband. I'm not her priest. She has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, I think she has helped me in more ways. I know she has helped me in more ways than I can even remember by her walk with Christ. Many times when I was so far away from God, she was the one that was the rock for me. And there were times when she was struggling in, in her faith, and I was able to be that for her. So we, we've we helped each other out, and, and marriage is it's a marriage. It's a team. And the background I came from really minimized the woman's role. And my wife is a very strong woman. As a matter of fact, I told her mom when we were dating that I wanted a challenge and she horse laughed me and told me, well, you've got one big boy. And <laughs> so we've been going through this challenge together for almost 25 years. And I'm a much better man for it. And I love her more today than I ever have. And our kids are what they are because of her and because of both of our influences. And JC, you and Kim have been together how many years now? We've been together 14 years. We've been married for 12 and you have six kids. Tell us how you and Kim met. Go ahead. <laughs> we actually met on MySpace. Come on, MySpace. 
I was his top friend. Whoop, whoop. Of course you were. I know. I know. Whenever I got that top friend spot, I was so excited. We met through a friend of mine who was uh, traveled and sang. Luke and White. Luke White. And he knew him and he knew me. And so he sort of introduced us on MySpace, I guess. And um, I was very, very, very shy back in the day. I never, ever put myself out there. Never, ever, like, would pursue a guy or anything like that. And so I, um, but I saw him on MySpace and I was like, man, he is really hot. And so you heard it I, here, boys. You yeah. heard it here. And so I, uh, I, I'm telling you, <laughs> he still had hair back then, though. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I saw where he had been to Nicaragua, and I was, uh, I had just come back from Nicaragua as well on a mission trip, and so. I messaged him and I was like, hey, so, you know, hi, I'm me. And uh, I just got back from Nicaragua. Where were you? And found out we had been about two miles from each other while we were in Nicaragua and wow. um, had kind of been in the same area and everything. It was just kind of wild. And the fact that I even took that step, because I never, ever did that. I never made the first move and you got to understand something her profile picture was her in the bus and it was a picture that she had taken she traveled with her family singing and uh, they traveled on this big purple bus and traveled all over singing and she took a picture before a concert one night and that was her profile picture and i was like good lord have mercy who is this and uh she came down to nashville and was working at the christian country music award show at the at the opera mills hotel and i said well i'm gonna drive up to nashville and we could meet we'd been talking online for a few weeks and uh the phone that's when we talked over the phone over the phone yes and so i drove up to nashville walked in and saw her and i was like hey baby i'm gonna marry you someday <laughs> she's like you're crazy here we are 14 years later 150 pounds heavier and six kids let's go <laughs> oh man and jc still does have his hair it's just on his chin now instead of his head. Yeah. It's switched places. It's hey, listen, <laughs> I can grow a mean cul-de-sac right now. I can make it happen if I need to. Yeah. So, JC, in your opinion, what is Kim's most beautiful spiritual attribute, and how does she influence your home spiritually? Mm, that butt. Oh, um, okay. And then we just... <laughs> Please leave that in there, please. No. <laughs> please, Jesus. I edit out about that. 90% of what JC says. <laughs> Sorry. I knew you were asking that. I tell you the thing that I love about Kim uh, was when we met, I we, we started talking early on, uh, you know, we wanted kids and things like that. And Kim's from uh, a family where she's the middle child. I'm the oldest of three. She's the middle of three. So we started talking about kids and and just seeing, I mean, right after we were married, uh, pretty much a honeymoon baby, Caden came along and just seeing those motherly traits in her and just how she stays at home every day with six kids now. I mean, the girl was pregnant for a decade. Ten years. Ten whole years she was, she was pregnant. But we're getting to that stage now where we have no kids in diapers, um, you know, but she homeschools our kids while I'm at church working. Um, God has really just picked us up and moved us a lot. I mean, since we've been married, we've lived in Georgia, we've lived in Utah, we've lived back in Georgia, North Georgia, and now we're back down in South Georgia. And never once has she complain. Well, I can't say never once, um, but you know, there's been some times where it's, it's a, I trust you and let's go. But here's what I think the biggest thing about it is, is 
from the culture that I grew up in, the woman's voice was muted. The woman's voice was supposed to be remain silent. I'm the man of God. I'll figure this out. But I rely on her wisdom. I rely on her walk with Jesus, her faith, her relationship with Jesus. And I value her opinion, her discernment, uh, direction. I believe God speaks through my wife to help us go to Utah, to come back to Georgia, to move to South Georgia. She's the first person that I go to when we're feeling that. And I can tell you with the surety that we're both uh, making sure that we have clarity before we've taken that step. So, Kim, we all love JC. He's hilarious. But what is it about JC that not only attracted you to him, but has kept you with him other than your six kids? For all these years, <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say, um, one of the biggest things is his sense of humor. Like he makes me laugh constantly, and I think, and it, he even makes me laugh when I'm mad, which makes me even madder. And I'm just like, stop it. Um, we were trying to put a futon together the other day, and I was so mad trying to get this one screw in, and he starts making me laugh. <laughs> And it made me even madder, but then I'm laughing mad and I don't even know what, if that's even a thing, but um, (laughs) just his his sense of humor has always just kept it light. And uh, even when we're going through like some really hard times, just to be able to laugh together um, has been huge for us. And um, he is a very like strong personality. Um, and I always love that about him. He's a leader. He, you know, kind of goes for what he wants. And I, I love that in him cause I was always super shy. And, um, so I love that about him, that he was a very strong leader and I knew that he would lead our home and our kids. And so, um, yeah, that's what, and still today does that. And, and he feels the weight of that knowing that, you know, he's leading us and stuff. So I love that about him. So JC, is it true that it was prophesied that your relationship and marriage wouldn't last three months? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a person that prophesied that this would last three months and then she would be moving back to Texas because he could read me like a book and knew my character and integrity. I know all three of us, we strive to be men of character and integrity. And I believe that starts with our marriages that, that works all the way into our podcast, into our life. And, um, you know, I think I think the biggest thing that I I absolutely love about uh, just the fact we have our wives on here tonight is because they they hear us all the time. Um, but I think seeing behind the scenes of what makes us able to be able to get on here every week and to talk and it's to know we have an incredible support system um, that we have some loving wives that love us despite our failures that love us despite you know the the shortcomings that we have at times they know the real us um, but they know that that we love Jesus and we're striving to lead our families and and uh, man I'm I'm so thankful to God uh, to have a wife that that loves Jesus that my kids see actively pursuing a relationship with Jesus and they know that God is her first love and then our relationship and then her role as a mom. And I'm telling you to see somebody that, um, you know, grew up without Christmas, celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving. I mean, we're making up for it now and getting to experience all of those first. A lot of times is just incredible to see the the things that are starting, uh, the traditions, you know, with our kids. And um, man, I, I feel like I don't know where I would be right now if 14 years ago, God didn't bring this little shy girl into my life. And I tell you what, I'm her first boyfriend. <laughs> when you get this, you can't go wrong. So you don't need anybody else. So. Uh, 
I waited. So I love long. it. I tell people all the time, JC, that if you haven't met my wife and my kids, you really don't know me. That's exactly right. Because a lot of people know me through work or through ministry or whatever. But if you don't know my wife and kids, you don't know me because they're the best part of me. And yeah. I feel sorry for people that just know me and don't yeah. know them. And it's the same way with you, because I know you and I know all your kids and I've been in your home and I've heard the laughter and I've had deep conversations with you. And I know how seriously you take your role as a father and a husband. And uh, I just I love you guys and y'all are hilarious. And uh, your love for Jesus is contagious. And it's awesome hearing your story because there are some parts in there that I, I haven't heard before. And I know our listeners oh, yeah. are loving that. That's awesome. Well, speaking of somebody that we know loves his wife, we hear Brian talking about it a lot on the podcast. Sometimes I think he's done wrong and he's making up for some things because he'll just gush a lot of times about Denise, but it it is genuine and it is real. And so Brian, take us all the way back to when you two (laughs) met. (laughs) Take us back to the beginning. Way back in 1935. Four score and 70 years ago. Uh, well, the ark had just landed, and um, <laughs> we let all of the animals disembark first, and, and then and then there she was. Somehow she had hung onto a limb and survived the flood, and and there were no other women around, and there were no other men around, and so um, I was her obvious choice. Well, that works for you, Brian, but that doesn't really work for Denise. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've married up. The one thing I've heard for the uh, 32 years we've been together is people repeatedly saying, how in the world did you get her? How in the world did you get her? And um, it's never bothered me that I married so far up because my eyes look out. I'm always looking at her, not me. And so there's never been a time when marrying up has bothered me for even a moment. But I'll let Denise tell the story of where we met and how we met and the day that God changed her life forever for the good. I was uh, 16 years old. He was 17. His dad and his family traveled around. His dad was an evangelist. He sang. And they were going to be at, and it wasn't even my church. It was my uncle's church that he went to. And my grandmother wanted to go. She used to listen to his dad on the radio all the time. And she said, I want you to go with me and let's go hear the Edwards family. And I was like, okay, I'll go. So when I got there, I was sitting with my cousin, uh, my granny, and um, Brian and I made some eye contacts. So it wasn't long <laughs> after uh, after he sang, uh, I was going to the water fountain. I noticed he was right behind me. <laughs> He did. (laughs) And then he started to talk to my cousin. He thought my cousin and I were together. And he said, is that your girlfriend? And he said, no, that's my cousin. This ain't Alabama. (laughs) And then they told me they were from Virginia. And so I asked him again, is that your girlfriend? (laughs) But, you know, I remember that night, Denise, uh, she had, you know, long black hair and those pretty hazel eyes and she had on a royal blue dress with black high heels. And that was even back in the day of pantyhose. But I thought she was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And that night 
guys, it's really hard to sing Southern gospel romantically, but I was doing my best, man. You know, I was doing my best to sing, you know, um, that song about the resurrection of Jesus and the conversation with the devil. And I was trying to sing that and, and make, you know, googly eyes all at the same time. That's a challenge for, for a fella to pull off. Hey, but it must have worked because he said, I'm going to be in Chatham, Virginia next month. Why don't you come hear me sing? And guess what? I went. Yeah. <laughs> there. And the only restaurant that was open that night was Hardy's. And uh, so we went to Hardy's and she ordered a strawberry sundae. And we sat and we talked. And then I've got to tell you guys a hilarious story. I can't believe she stayed with me. I had this beautiful black Camaro. I love that thing. It was all black. The windows were blacked out, had uh, chrome keystone mags, dual exhaust. It sounded ferocious. And the day that I took her out on a date, uh, the only thing that was open that day was the bowling alley. And neither one of us bowled. I mean, we, we were redneck, but not that much. But neither one of us bowled. Uh, but we went to the bowling alley because it was the only thing open. And we just kept rolling gutter balls. I'll never forget, she turned around and she said, I can't bowl at all. And I said, but your form is perfect. Um, but we got in the car to leave. And the day my air condition decided to start just screaming bloody murder. Well, I didn't know anything about cars. And, and I didn't know it was the belt, which was under the hood at the engine. So I'm taking my foot and kicking the air condition controls on the dash in the car. And she still stayed with me. That That is absolute true love right there. So, Denise, we're interested. You know, Brian, and we all know his backstory. Did you grow up in the same world that Brian and his family were traveling in? And if not, what was that world like for you to kind of be thrust into, if you will? Oh, it was definitely the complete opposite of how I had been brought up. I was brought up in a Southern Baptist church. And I remember the first time uh, Brian was talking about women having to wear either dresses, skirts, or culottes. I said, hold on, what is a culotte? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Just let that pass. I do not even know what that is. But it was a totally different world. Things that they were talking about and preaching about, I had never heard anything like that before, ever. Yeah, she was blown away the first night. She was in a camp meeting where everybody was running on the pews and running the aisles. And uh, one guy was shouting across the front of the uh, the, the arbor there. And he, he just turned around and screamed at the audience, I'm so drunk in the Holy Ghost, I can barely stand up. And Denise looked at me <laughs> and what in the world is going on right now? I don't even know what's happening. I'm like, hold on a minute. Everybody will go to the altar and get saved again. It'll be great. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, where am I? Where, what is this place? Well, you know, the thing that I've always loved about Denise is her consistency. She is such a consistent person. You know, I'm an Edwards, which means um, we sing one day, look who's up where we belong. And the next day we sing 16 tons and what do you get another day older and deeper in debt it's up and down it's a roller coaster but denise is so consistent and she has 
really influenced our daughters spiritually more than I have. She has demonstrated for them what it looks like to have a mom who every morning starts her day at the table with her Bible open or a book open. Uh, Her prayers are beautiful. They're heartfelt. They're meaningful. Uh, Denise chooses the background. She's not that person who wants to be center stage up front, even tonight, you know, preparing for this podcast, speaking into a microphone, knowing that people are going to be listening. That's just not, that's not who she is. And I think that makes me appreciate more the authenticity of her walk with God because it's not for the eyes of the public. It's for Jesus. And she loves him with her whole heart. You just brought up a word, Brian, that I think sums up where we all strive to be and where I believe we all are at. And that is authenticity. Yeah. We grew up in a culture of the man of God and his wife. They were kind of put on this pedestal and they were plastic and they were supposed to be better than everybody else. I don't think any of us have tried to put on airs that we're better than anybody or we have anything figured out. We are passionately following Jesus and trying to love one another, but we don't always get it right. We don't always get it perfect. And I think that people respond to that. I know that people respond to that because many people in our church have told us, you guys seem just like normal people. <laughs> I was like, well, well, we are. You know, yeah. if we try to convince you that we're special, you're going to be in for a, a big disappointment because one day you're going to find out the truth. We love each other. We don't necessarily like each other all the time. The <laughs> <laughs> well, Denise and I have been very real about uh, the difficulties early on in our marriage. And, and it might be good if for the couples who are listening, and especially young couples who are starting in ministry, maybe if Denise and I just, just talk about that for just a moment. Because no one discipled us in knowing how to be married. Nothing speeds up a wedding date like virginity. And, you know, we had planned on being married. Tweet that. Four (laughs) years down the road um, after she finished college. And then it it became two years. And then it was, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? Um, But we we didn't know anything about being married. It wasn't that we didn't love each other. It wasn't that we didn't love God. Neither one of our parents, while they were both amazing people and and both of our parents demonstrated for us what it looked like for parents to stay together and to love one another, they never sat us down and prepared us. No one in the church ever prepared us. I mean, after all, you know, we knew after having been to enough revival meetings that the key to having a great marriage and always being satisfied and fulfilled was just wait until marriage. And then everything falls in place, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful world. And then we were married, and we realized that that wasn't true. And so Denise and I went through a season when there was a lot of faking for the public because we were in ministry and completely unhealthy as a couple. And it was a great day in our lives when, when God radically changed that. I think Denise can probably describe some of that season even better than I can. I mean, there were times in our marriage, I know one time I had my little suitcase packed and had Kelsey all buckled in and I backed out to the end of the driveway and then I 
stopped and I thought, where am I going? What am I doing? Then I go back in the house. There's another time I think Brian, he went to um, Brooklyn Tabernacle and he went to a service. I was at home with Kelsey and I remember him calling with tears. I mean, I could just tell he was crying. He had been to that service and he said that, that God just spoke to him about our marriage, that we were going to, we were going to be okay and that he was going to help us get through these hard times. And I remember many, many, many times of us saying that we would never, ever even put divorce on the table. We would always talk with one another. We would pray about things. And it's incredible how God did get us through those times. And here we are 31 years into our marriage. And it hasn't been easy always. Ministry is not easy. Um, I tell other pastors' wives, being a pastor's wife sometimes is one of the most lonely places on the planet. You try to be the the help me. You try to pray for them. You try to do everything in the church. You try to serve. but And you try to be yourself. But sometimes I feel like, and it's probably not a good thing, but I feel like you try even sometimes it feels like that you are being a fake. You try to act like everything's okay. You try to act like your marriage is wonderful, but you cannot have those true friends because you always have those people that just walk away and you don't even know why. But I tell you, there are other times when God just sh- just shows himself. He gets you through those times. He's He's blessed us with three beautiful girls that are all serving him, a son-in-law that's serving him, and he's just good. Mm. And looking back now, Denise and I both say we're so glad that that we stayed together through those difficult times. You know, I've always been the hopeless romantic, and so, you know, trying to find new ways to impress her or, you know, those things, that's never – been difficult for me. But loving her as Christ loved the church, that's never easy. Because if you read that verse, what you'll notice is the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. The only way you can give yourself to your wife is to give her time. And I was investing all of my time in the church. I was investing all of my time in ministry because I'd heard all of my life, it's better to burn out than rust up. And I believed that I was responsible for everything in the church. And the most difficult question I've ever been asked in my life was asked by this beautiful lady sitting to my left. I'll never forget one night in tears. She was frustrated. She didn't know what to do. And she looked at me and she said, Brian, are you married to me or are you married to the church? The only reason she was even asking that question is because I'd failed to love her as Christ had loved the church. But man, God brought us through those times. And uh, guys, now when we're together, we hold hands like 80% of the time. We're that couple that, you know, we spend time together. We love to be together. She's my sweetheart. Um, I love to take her on dates. I love to spend time with her. 
And um, early on, it was we were trying to put forward that image because that was required of us. Now it's no longer an image. It's real. You know, I think along those lines, there's been a, a sermon out that IFB Preacher Clips has been putting out of Hamblin talking about the two young evangelists that came up to him and have said, how do I have my calendar full and preach and get on the front of the sword of the Lord, blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, you can't be at every basketball game. You can't be at every piano recital, every dance conference, every birthday party, every holiday and have a full schedule and preach on the front of the sword of the Lord. And you know, when I hear that, it's like a kick in the gut almost because I'm like, man, how far off is Hamblin missing the point that family has to be first? And then the church comes second. Brown, what you just said, I think there's so many young pastors out there, guys that have been in ministry for just a few years or some for a long time that put church work first. And that's what was ingrained in us is that the church is the most important. And then the relationship and then all this. And we know guys that are listening to this podcast that are one way in the pulpit and treating their wife a completely different way when they're at home. Um, You know, we're called first to love our wives, to love our families. And I think when we have incredible wives like the three that are on with us tonight, it makes it just a little bit easier to love family first. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, you and I were just talking about this on the way back from Asheville, North Carolina last night about how we both know and we both have always believed that family is the our first ministry. But that still doesn't mean... <laughs> that it's easy to do. It's it's very difficult to live out our faith in that area. We know what the ideal is. We know what we're aiming for, but it's always hard to hit that. And we've been through many ups and downs. And I've had personally many failures in putting ministry or the church or my job in front of my family. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is maybe just a little bit of a personality difference. And this happens in all marriages, I think, is that, you know, you're stronger in some areas and your husband's stronger in other areas. But I've been a little bit more conscientious about setting up boundaries for um, our family and our kids and the time that's, um, you know, just allocated for them versus how much we're pouring out into other people. And because if you're not careful, that can ministry work can start to take up every night of the week. Um, and that's, it's there, it's not, <laughs> while it's a good thing, there's, there's like a better and a best. You can't say yes to every good thing. You have to say no to some good things so that you can do the best thing for your first priority. And for us, that has always been, um, our kids. And I think that you're great about listening to me. If I say, I think we're getting a little out of balance here. Like you're gone, too many times, or I'm not the one that would probably be gone much because I'm such a homebody. I think most, uh, probably all three of us tend to be that way as um, these pastor's wives, <laughs> but um, I'll probably be at home and he would be the one that would be committing himself a little bit more, but he is really great about just hearing me out if I if I feel like we need to get back on track and, and um, just putting our kids at the top of that. Listen, it changes when your kids are little bitty and it changes as they're in middle school and high school. And then now we've got grown ones and we're having to do different things. It's constantly, a, you know, it's a work in progress. What works best for your family? And um, it's 
there's not rules about it. I would never, you know, want to be a legalist about it. But you do have to just set time aside for your kids and your family and let them know that they're more important than anybody else's kids and, and anybody else's family. And Carrie, you made a statement last night that at the end of the day, when we stand before God, there's really one priority for ministry for us, and that is how did our kids turn out? How did we love them? How do we train them to love Jesus? And did they see something real in us that would make them want to love Jesus and live the way that we've raised them to live? And I think we have to be reminded of that constantly, that that is the goal. If I never pastor a mega church, if people don't know my name, if you know I never write a book and all these different things that we think are... Um, huge marks of success, they don't happen. Yet I raise four kids that love Jesus. That's yeah. a win and that's success. And honestly, I think that's that's the most important thing we're going to be judged on when we stand before Jesus mm. is how did I love my wife and how did I love my kids? And that's very convicting because I don't get that right all the time. Yeah. You know, Nathan, I grew up hearing Billy Sunday trumpeted as the premier preacher. I heard so many pastors describe Billy Sunday in a way that you would think that he would be the man to emulate. But I later learned that none of Billy Sunday's children follow Jesus, that all of his children died as far as we know and stepped into eternity unsaved. He preached to the thousands, but he didn't win his family. And, mm. and Denise and I have talked about it. If I never preach to the masses again, I'd rather know that my family loves Jesus and walks with Jesus than to know that my name appears in lights on marquees and thousands of people come to hear my voice and what I have to say about God. Yeah, I believe if you win the masses and lose your family, you failed at ministry. And I think a lot of guys have that so backwards. Nathan, I love your vulnerability there because we're, if we're honest, I mean, we do get that wrong a lot of times. I mean, there's many times, especially in a move. I mean, we just moved from a place we were very comfortable to a place where we know nobody and starting over in a brand new ministry. And, you know, I think just the last few weeks as we've been here now in Statesboro a month, I mean, I feel like I've been gone more than I've been home. And I mean, my kids are at the point where they're like, are you going to work again? You know, and I'm like trying to find that balance of being dad at home, but also trying to figure out a brand new job and a new meeting. And I think something that's real important that we've learned um, is continuing to date. Like, I mean, that's been the hardest thing. I mean, trying to find a babysitter. Now we don't know anybody. So we're like, if anybody's listening and you live in South Georgia and you want to babysit, give me a shout. Um, but I, I think, you know, Kim, speaking to the importance of dating and, and being a, a, a mom with young kids being at home. Well, we learned early on um, in our relationship that in order for us to thrive as parents, we had to first thrive in our marriage because um, they're all interrelated. And um, if we are not in a good spot in our marriage, our kids see that and our kids, it affects them as well. And so, and I feel like in order for us not to be like a hypocrite, and we need to be living out in front of them what we're teaching them. And so um, it's been very important for us to continue to spend time. And as a mom with young kids, you can sometimes feel a little guilty 
about taking that time away with just your husband because, you know, you don't want to, especially with us with six, like that's a lot for a babysitter to take on. (laughs) And it's really expensive. It's like usually what we pay the babysitter is more than what we spent on our date. We're going to McDonald's Um, eating chicken nuggets. (laughs) Yeah, really. And so, but, um, but in order for us to, to thrive in our parenting, we have to, in order for us to keep that balance where it needs to be, we have to first um, spend time just us. And that doesn't, sometimes it includes talking about ministry and sometimes it includes not talking at all about ministry. Sometimes, you know, we talk about our dreams and plans and what we want, but a lot of times it's just catching up on life because I feel like life can just pass you by so much. And during the day, there's things that I forget to tell him that the kids did. And when it's just us together, I feel like it's, you can kind of just have that undivided attention. And that's been very important for us in order to keep the balance and everything is we have to first keep that balance with it between us. We have to first keep us solid um, in order for us to be able to, to raise them like they need to be. And you know, guys, as we're doing premarital counseling and counseling with couples and things like that, I think one of the biggest things that always convicts me is the line where I say, remind yourselves often of what drew you together in the first place. Um, you know, that's the, cause, cause so many times life starts kicking you in the butt. I mean, ministry starts taking a toll. You Then you add the joy of a podcast and all the haters and the fun stuff that comes with that and the extra time that's spent sitting on a microphone, looking at Zoom, talking to two other dudes while we're up in a room at midnight with the Peters and getting done at 3 a.m. You know, there's extra time over this last year, especially that has kind of been added with the podcast on top of ministry, but it's still part of our ministry. But I think, you know, the success of this podcast in a large part is due because they've given us that freedom uh, to continue to record um, and to be able to uh, put out episodes every single week. And so I I thank you ladies for giving, I I speak for my wife, giving me the freedom. I don't know about you two, maybe you don't have freedom, but Kim giving me the freedom to, to be able to come on here and record every week. But I think that does lend us the opportunity to ask kind of you ladies what your thoughts are on the podcast what is your thoughts on the pushback do you listen to the podcast at all because i know somebody that doesn't Um, oh surprise (laughs) you learn something new every day um but kind of what's your thoughts on the the podcast the pushback some of the rhetoric that's been thrown at us just interested your take on rfp in general um, I think it's been amazing to see how God has used this. Um, and uh, I know that we all were uh, kind of ragging on him a little bit at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning of it. Um, at the beginning. But, <laughs> and still do. <laughs> still do. She means last week. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it is amazing to see how God is using it um, for his glory. I sign our Bible later. I will say I have listened to a lot of the podcasts. I have not listened to all of them, but I'm also very proud of you guys. Um, I didn't know what it was going to be like, and I think God is really using it. And um, I think it's wonderful, but I do. I will say, and the other ladies probably too, when people say bad things about them, my feathers get ruffled and I'm ready to fight back. But uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I am really uh, glad that it has grown and that God is using it. Yeah, I think I think we all agree that we're proud of you guys for what you're doing and 
um, because we know more than anybody else what the motives that you have, mm-hmm. like what's behind it, the heart of you guys. And it's not to, um, I think it's important for people to know that it's not for you to like, um, we're telling people that they don't need to like hero worship um, a pastor or their man of God or whatever it is that they call it, you know, in the IFB world. But we're not trying to replace that with hero worship of the RFP, you know, guys mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. So, but it is really cool to see um, the influence that you are having on people. And I just was surprised at the sheer number of mm. um, how many people have been affected by this really weird theology that is the IFB world. Mm-hmm. Um it's disturbing that there's that many churches out there that are doing this and that many people that are hurt by it. But um, it's really cool that um, God puts you all in a spot where you are, you know, ministering this way because you're all ministers, you know, at heart. And um, it is a sacrifice. You know, I'm not going to lie and say that it's not. My husband is busy with this at least one night a week, plus all of the editing, you know, that he, that he does too. So we're, we're sacrificing time with him um, for this, but that's because we do think it's important and because we are concerned, you know, about the people out there that they're getting some help for just to know that they're not alone is help. I think in a lot of cases, but um, we do see the importance of it and it is worth the sacrifice that, you know, all of us are making to make this happen. So Man, I got to be honest, Carrie. I thought you were going to be like, it sucks. I hate the RFP. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe she has listened to every single episode. I have listened. I maybe haven't finished every single episode, but I have started every single episode. And if it's good, then I continue to listen. But if it sucks, then there I There it is. There it is. There you go. Keep it real. And our other job is someone has to keep you humble so exactly you don't like right. float off into the sky. And that's why God gave you wives. So. Well, thank you. You have served us well in that capacity. <laughs> Some of you need more help than others. <laughs> Some of you are too proud of your beards and things. (laughs) Bless it. All right. This was a bad idea, guys. I'll be honest. There's been a few nights where I've gotten into bed after we've recorded or something, and I'll be like, babe, do you know that there is a lot of people that have listened to this podcast? She's like, I am so honored to be laying in bed with you, babe. (laughs) You jerk. Shut up and take out the trash. <laughs> That's exactly what I say. How about you go clean up your underwear? That's what I say. Here we go. It's getting real. You know, I think that's one thing that uh, Denise has always done. She's kept me. She's kept me grounded, and that's been both for the good and for the bad. When things are going horribly, it's been Denise who has said, uh, "Brian, stay the course. You know what God's called you to do. Don't give up. Keep the mm-hmm. faith." Early on in the ministry, I was going to quit. Uh, things were going so badly, I had every reason to quit. And it was Denise who said, no, this is what you've been called to do, and uh, you're not quitting. It was Denise who um, who kept pushing me forward. But it's also been Denise, uh, when I get kind of uh, captivated by great things going on or, or growth happening <laughs> or or maybe, you know, a sermon's been downloaded a lot of times or someone's given me some great compliments. It's Denise who's reminded me uh, that I'm still a husband and a dad and an ordinary guy. So I think our wives do serve a good purpose in that regard 
to both degrees. I agree with that. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You can thank us later. (laughs) Well, I think it would be cool to hear each one of you maybe speak to the ladies who are listening to the RFP. I know that all three of you are incredible wives and moms and followers of Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of ladies who listen to the RFP and a lot of ladies who have been hurt, uh, ladies who have been abused, ladies who right now are trying to submit to their husbands and their husbands are still in the IFB full force and God has moved their hearts and they're seeing truth that their husbands aren't currently seeing. So what would each of you have to pass on to uh, to the ladies who are listening to the RFP that maybe would be an encouragement or a blessing to them? I will start. Um, you know, I don't know what it feels like personally, um, but I do feel really, really sorry for any woman that has had to go through the things that I've heard that some of these pastors have said or how they treat their wives. And my my advice would be to pray a lot, to stay in the Word. And if they are married to those pastors, to love them and pray for them. And when they find things that they have preached about that go against theology, I would go to them and talk to them about it and find a good support group. Find some friends and other ladies that they can talk to and pray with and study the Word with and keep following Jesus. I would just like to maybe speak to like the younger moms um, because I know that like we're still kind of in that phase where we have um, young children and it's it can be so hard. You literally feel like you're in a whirlwind for, you know, about 10 years now, I guess. We, we, I felt like I've been in a whirlwind. We had three kids in diapers at one time. And so it's just been like, I mean, I was pregnant for 10 years and it's it's literally been um, just like a whirlwind. That's, that's all I can use to describe it. And so what I would suggest if you're in that spot, uh, one thing that has kind of kept me is to have daily time with the Lord, just me. Um, that has been something that I don't think anything can replace it. I don't think any kind of uh, book or, you know, self-help talks or anything like that. I don't think anything can replace that time that you have with the Lord in His Word every day. Um, And I know that there have been issues that um, we have differed on where I'm like, okay, if I just show him this, it'll convince him that this is the right way. And that hasn't happened. And so what I found that has worked for us is how is I will start praying um, more into that issue. And I'll start saying, Lord, either change my heart about the issue or change his heart about the issue. And miraculously, um, God starts working on our hearts and he starts changing 
either one of our hearts and and we can find common ground. Um, and so I think just to believe in the power of prayer, it's amazing what can happen when you pray for your husband. It's amazing what can happen when you pray for your family. And so I think just to um, have that time alone with the Lord and just like read his word and pray. I think that can be, that is one of the most important things to do just as a woman of God, as a daughter of the King. If you are connected to Jesus in a way that you need to be, I feel like it makes everything else just kind of flow smoother. And it just kind of like calms the wind. That's what I say. It just kind of calms the wind and the waves of life. And, um, and I can tell when I, am not consistent in it because it'll start feeling like, like I'm drowning. Um, and so just to have that time, I think, and, and just, just really pray for them and not pray like, Lord, change their heart, Lord, do all this, but like say, Lord, if there's anywhere that I need to change my heart, you show that to me. That's good. I don't really know how to put it into like a sound bite of one of the biggest issues maybe of women who are either coming out of that movement or are still in it and very unhappy with it is that I do feel like women are marginalized in um, that world in a way that Jesus never meant to happen. And it is completely unbiblical and not Christ-like. And I've heard enough, I haven't experienced it myself, but I've heard enough situations to know that there are a lot of women who feel like they're never good enough. They don't matter. Their opinions don't matter. Their thoughts, you know, because they're not a man or they can't do this. There's just a lot of rules associated with women in that world that are not um, placed on the men. And that's real interesting to me how, you know, the men can dress normally and uh, you wouldn't ever know that they were different. And, you know, there's some that you might know, but you wouldn't know that they were different <laughs> by their clothes necessarily, but they want their their women to look this certain part and be, you know, for all intents and purposes, like unattractive to the world. Like, and I'm not saying like dress immodestly. <laughs> That's not where I'm going with that. <laughs> but I am <laughs> saying that there's a lot of standards, uh, dress standards and behavior standards that are placed on women, a lot of pressure. They think they're responsible to make their children behave a certain way all the time, or they're not a good mom. Their house has to be this. It's a lot. It's almost a brainwashing of, and so when they're coming out of that, I think it's just important for, I I pray that your husband would be moving through that journey with you. And if not, then that's like the biggest, that's your, that's your prayer right there. But if you're moving through that together, I mean, I would just encourage you guys to just get in the scripture and there is no book, you know, written by anyone else that's going to help you more than God's wow. word. And I would just, just get in this, get in the word, read it for yourself. It is for you. Um, like Nathan said earlier, your husband is the head of your household and thank God for that, for his position in your house. But he, you don't have to have a priest you have access to the Father, and you're That's one right. of, of His beloved children just the same as your husband is or mm-hmm. the man of God or whatever in your church. You're just as important to Jesus. And so I just, He's going to show up for you if you seek after Him with your with your whole heart. Just get in the Word and, and dig until you find what you need. You find this, the truth that's waiting there for you, and it will it will free you from all of that until you're just— I think that it would be 
<laughs> surreal to to come through that and then be on the other side and be like, what was I living in? I don't know what, you know, what goes through their minds, but it it must be so freeing to be out of that movement as a woman. Because <laughs> I think that there's some really ugly men pastors out there that just have a lot of real hurtful things to say to put people down in order to make yourself look better. You're, you build yourself up on the backs of others and it's just, the, it's a coward's way and it's definitely not, you know, what God called men of God to behave like. So um, I'll just encourage, encourage them through their journey to get out of it and read your Bible. And if you didn't know before, you can see now why Brian, JC, and Nathan are the men that they are because we have strong women behind us that are encouraging yeah. us to be better. Whose voice we value very much in our life and ministry. And you know, the thing is, when I was an independent fundamental Baptist pastor, you know, Denise mostly spoke to having not been in the IFB when she grew up. But I think one thing that she really didn't speak to very much or acknowledge is that she was an independent Baptist pastor's wife for a lot of years. And during that season, I really didn't value her in the way that I should. During that season, Carrie, as you were saying a moment ago, I never stopped to think about the fact that she was an equal image bearer of God. When I first heard that preached, my mind was blown. God, what what kind of mistakes have I made? that I didn't realize that my wife was an equal image bearer. And it's been over the past few years, having come out of that, that I think Denise and I would both say that our treatment of one another has been radically different because I wasn't valuing her in the way that I should. She wasn't respecting me in the way that she should because there were just broken lines of communication and understanding. We both came into marriage with unrealistic expectations. But then when God really started tearing down the walls and my identity was no longer in the fact that I was a pastor, but my identity was in the fact that I was a follower of Jesus Christ and a husband and a dad, that's when things in our lives really began to change. And we began to see God work in our marriage and in our lives in a way that we never had before. I think like Nathan, you just said a minute ago, you can understand why uh, we are the way we are because we have some incredible wives behind us that support us and uh, speak into our lives. And so ladies, thanks for being on the podcast with us tonight. I think we could all agree that the RFP Wives Edition needs to happen in 2021. I think you three could do a killer podcast, just to be honest. And I think there's a lot of ladies that could really lean into the wisdom and uh, the knowledge of the word that you guys have. And uh, you have some incredible understanding of ministry and uh, you really support Brian, Nathan, and myself. And so we thank y'all for being on the podcast tonight. And we want you to come and meet them as well as us in Vegas on January 25th and 26th at the Idea Summit. It's going to be an incredible two days in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can go on to recoveringfundamentalist.org, click on the Idea Summit link, and use the promo code RFP Meetup and meet us in Las Vegas, Nevada this January. Not just Nathan, Brian, and myself, but our wives are going to be there with us. So you can put a face behind the voice that you just heard on this episode. Come and be with us in 
January in Vegas. We want to thank our sponsors, Free Life Soap and J Radio, as well as the patrons of Patreon. You guys are absolutely incredible, and uh, we want to thank you for all that you do to help keep us on the air and cover our overhead every month. Thank you, patrons of Patreon. And ladies, you have a super easy job being great wives because you have amazing husbands. Uh, in all seriousness, I agree with JC. Thank you guys for everything that you've shared tonight. It's been amazing. And listen, RFP fam, we need you to do something. And that is we need you to go to Twitter and like the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast Twitter. Uh, we need you to go on Facebook and follow us. We need you to subscribe to the podcast. We need you to leave a review. We need you to do anything and everything that you possibly can to get connected. Well, this whole idea started as a Thanksgiving episode, and you see why we have so much to be thankful for. And and ladies, thank you for being here and for speaking into our lives and into thousands of other people's lives that we know are listening. And I'm excited about what God has in store. And I do want to say to all three of you, we would not be where we are at if you were not supporting us. So thank you. All the great ideas, all the best ideas came from you. So thank you very much. (laughs) There's a little bit of truth in that, but not all the way. Hey, thanks for being here with us this week on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We'll see you back here next week. Be sweet. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. <laughs>